Good morning. My funny Larry story, a few months ago, we replaced the back door on the church. The old one was broken, needed a new one. I ordered it and just didn't realize at the time that the walls inside the church are, this, if this doesn't make sense, it's fine, but they built wooden walls inside of what is a concrete wall outside. So I didn't realize that the door was actually a formed steel jam that went around concrete walls. Long story short, I show up to do a one-hour job, maybe, and was here all day. But um, anyways, I went and rented a concrete saw, and I'm cutting out the door with a concrete saw. Todd Adams was here for this. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. And we were in the middle of cutting this out, my brother and I, and Larry walks around the corner. He goes, what are you doing? And in the back of my mind, I'm like, repenting for all the profanity that I've been using. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> But uh, I didn't say that, and, uh, and, and I said, I said oh, I'm replacing the door or whatever, and I'm trying to make the top cut, and I can't hold the saw, because it's like 60 pounds, and there's a hose attached to it, and it's spewing stuff in my face, and I can't hold it, and I said, I, 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 Larry, you don't happen to have a roto hammer on your truck, do you? It's a mini jackhammer. He's like, yeah. Are you serious, Larry? He goes, yeah. I said, can I borrow it? Yeah. He goes and gets it. In 10 minutes, I have the whole thing done, just, just chipped it all out instead. He saved the day. It was no big deal to him. He's just sipping his coffee. Yeah, I happen to have a jackhammer. Like, so. It was really good. I, think, I believe his obituary said that he was a, a jack-of-all-trades, that, you know, he... And he, he did, like, he just, he was in RIT 101, he took one of our first RIT 101, our membership classes here, and, and he, uh, in the middle of it, he's like, yeah, I used to raise camels. I'm sorry. We're, like, going through the material I'm teaching, and he's like, he's ra-. I'm like, oh, tell us more about 25 years in the camel rearing business. Nobody's heard of this before. Anyways, yeah, talk about a, a wealth of, of knowledge and fun information. So, yeah, he'll be missed. We'll see him again. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks for being here this morning. Uh, so much to say, so much to be excited about. So it's, it's just hard to narrow it all down. Uh, this word that I have today, sort of like a fathery word and a lot more prophetic in nature, meaning, you know, if you know me, if you've been around me for a while, usually just my if you can say style of preaching, is to just take a section of scripture and what's God's, you know, with, with the now word of the Lord, what's God saying, how do we apply this, and it's good. I mean, that's great. I li- it's how I learn. It's, I, hopefully, it's how you guys learn, because it's the way I teach. So, but, um, no, but, but today, I just really felt that the Lord had given, you know, what we referred to as like a rhema, like a now word, and um, it's, it, is it a passage of scripture um, that we're extrapolating from? No, it's basically principles extrapolated from the whole book. So, um, preaching the whole Bible this morning, very ambitious. And, uh, but the title, the t- what's that? Yeah, L- lunch is on Gina, that's what she said. She said she'd like to provide lunch. <laughs> See, I have a microphone, and you don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I love you all very much. So, um, anyways, I, I, the title of this message is "Preparing for Revival." It's sort of, it's sort of a misnomer 
um, since so much preparation's been done and revival is at hand, as we'll say here in a minute, but it's also, it's also fitting, I think. So, um, but first of all, we have to take a moment, and we have to acknowledge what the Lord's doing here at River in the Hills Church. Just let it, just let it sit for just a second. I'm not even going to say anything. There, we took the moment. We have seen measurable increase in so many different areas. Look around. There's one measurable increase. Attendance. Healing. Prophetic words, prophetic ministry. Fellowship. Love. Blessing. Repentance. Gifts. Manifestations of power. We've seen more and more and more. It's a, it's a measurable increase. And that is nothing to ignore or even just go, cool, and then like go back to, like we can't just skip over it. Yeah. Don't skip over it. Thanksgiving's the landing strip for heaven. Continue to give thanks for these things when you see them. And, and I'm, I, I, I don't make too many um, definitive sort of like thus saith the Lord statements, but this is going to increase. It's my conviction that this is going to increase, which hence prepare, right? Prepare for revival. Um, we're continuing to, to fight and to intercede um, concerning the, our nation, concerning this country, concerning the elections. We're going to keep doing that. It's going very well. I Just a word on this, because I'm not going to talk about this at all today, but just a word is that it, I know it's exhausting because it's work. Yeah. Work's exhausting. It's supposed to be, it even says it in here, right? There's a whole book named Job. It talks about work. <laughs> and so... Work is, work is exhausting. Work in the kingdom is exhausting and rewarding. And when it's done through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can't get overexhausted and burn out. Okay? You get burned out when we operate in the flesh. So what I say to you in this encouragement, in this season of, of more prayer, in the season of fasting, in the season of just waking up, contending. How many of you find yourself waking up fighting? That's because we're at war, okay? You wake up to the sound of explosions. That's just war. It's messy, but you, at least you know you're in war, okay? And so don't try to operate in the flesh. Don't try to carry the word. I'm talking to myself. Don't try to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders, okay? I've been doing that. I've been doing it. I had a doctor's appointment this week with a genius doctor friend of mine in California. It was a, a, a phone call. Done a bunch of blood work on me because I wasn't feeling good a couple months ago. And you know what the blood work showed him? Nate, you have chronic stress. And I was like, no, I don't. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. He's like, your blood work says otherwise. <laughs> not that you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't get a blood test for that. Okay, the blood test was at Calvary. Okay, we, and you believe in Jesus. <laughs> That's not even in my notes. Oh. But seriously, I was like, but I realized in that moment that I had, I had stepped into trying to carry things in the flesh and not walking with the Spirit. So it, it can even happen to me. Um, but just, in, just keep going. Keep going. That's all I'm going to say on that. Keep going. Yeah. Kaylee, you stand up and show everybody your shirt. Yes. If we don't quit, we win. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Um, I wanted to define a few terms before we jump totally into what we're doing here today. 
when I say the word revival, everybody's heard this word before, right? When I say this word revival, the word actually means, it gives the picture of like a, a little tiny like spark or ember that's nearly extinguished, and then it is brought back to a, a blazing inferno. That's the picture. It's a picture of a flame. And this. So when we say revival, we're actually talking about the context of believers because you can't revive something that wasn't once already alive, okay? And so when we speak of revival, revival is talking about the, the church, whether, it, I, I'm not saying everyone, not everyone is a little ember, but, but overarching, the church has its spark or ember that's almost extinguished, reignited and revived into this blazing hot inferno, okay? When I say the word awakening, okay, awakening refers to what's ha- what happens with the, when the lost get saved and added to the church, okay? People that are, that are awakened were asleep, and the imagery from Scripture is dead being made alive, Okay, that's just so, I know, there's, I know there's overlap with how the terms are used and the original definition of the words as to how they're used in the church today. I, that's why I said I'm defining them for today, okay? So when I say revival, you know what I'm saying. When I say awakening, you know what I'm saying, okay? And really, uh, it's important to make the distinction, I believe, uh, because re- I believe revival precedes awakening, Okay? Um, and I believe that um, even though we use the terms interchangeably, it's important to identify as the church what the difference is because it's important to know that the Lord intends to change the world through his church, okay, or with his church. So if we sit back and go, yay, God, send revival, yay, God, send awakening, I'm just going to keep being me. I'm going to do me. Lord, you do you. And he's like, no, I want to do me through you. And you're like, that's too many I don't under, you know, it's, but basically we have to know, we have to know that, that revival must first come to the church so that through the church, through the revived church, awakening can come to the world, okay? Yes, Nate, we agree, amen. All right. You're just trying to get out of buying lunch. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that revival is at hand. I believe that I'm not alone in believing that. Um, Pastor Glenn preached a message a couple years ago. Um, I don't know if it was a couple years ago. I was going to say the other day. When I say the other day, it means any time between yesterday and 15 years ago. So, <laughs> but he preached a message the other day. I think it was about a couple years ago about personal revival. Anyone remember this message where he gave the image? It was, it was another person's picture of, of drawing a circle around yourself, and then asking the Lord to start revival inside of that circle, okay? So that stuck with me a lot. Now, we've been praying for and continuing for revival for myself for years, many of you decades. Uh, Many of you have seen uh, and been a part of different renewals, which renewal is a term I'll use to describe localized revival, if that makes sense, right? Okay, so a a renewal in a church or group of churches or an area. Uh, Many of you have been through those, and it's it's amazing. but when he mentioned this a couple of years ago, personal revival, many of you, I know, myself included, really took it to heart and went, if we're going to ask the Lord for revival, I must first be revived. Like, I, I'm not going to press into and encourage other people to step into something that I'm not currently walking in or pressing into for myself. And so it was really important. And many of us did. We just went, okay, 
enough of let's try to fix people around us. Let's just try to, I'm going to fix me first. And that, and, and so many people grew. I grew. Many people in this church did. Um, he also mentioned uh, either that sermon or another sermon that was a couple days ago, um, that if, revi- if revival was like a pool of water or like a, a river, the rivers of revival, that we were ankle deep. And it was meant to be an encouragement, not a discouragement, like you're only ankle deep. It's the same way that, that when Jesus said the faith of a mustard seed, right? He wasn't saying your faith is so small. He's saying all it takes is a little faith. Um, in, in the same way, Glenn, Glenn was a, a, encouraging us that we're ankle deep. We're already in the water. Like, the, like we're already in the water. And so the encouragement was give thanks for the ankle deep water and continue to wade in until you're totally submerged. Okay, so that stuck with me. That was good. So I'm, I'm putting some things together here just from the last few years having to do with revival. Um, I believe that when he said wade into the water, I believe we have been wading. How have we been wading into the water? More prayer. Continuing to contend for the things that are hard when you don't see immediate results. Continuing to be consistent in fellowship consistent in worship, consistent in prayer, consistent in breaking bread together, consistent in doing Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 46. Just be consistent. We've seen that. That's how we've waited in. How else have we waited in? Fasting, voluntary weakness to grow closer to the heart of God. We don't earn any love from him. We don't earn any kudos from him. It's for us. Fasting's for me. It's not for God. He doesn't need me to not eat. I need me to not eat. How, that's how we've been waiting. We've been, we've been, we've been asking. Glenn gave it a, a, a uh, this is not meant to be just a recap of all Glenn's sermons. It's just that <laughs> you're welcome. Glenn's been praying in this prayer for a lot longer than I have, but we've been praying also together in unity. And a lot of the times it feels like your prayers go and hit the acoustic ceiling and fall back down and melt into the ground. And you're like, should I go outside so there's less of a hindrance, right? I mean, that's how it feels. But one day he said, he said, you know, when we pray the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, all we're doing is we're, and this helped me because it's sort of a construction term. He said, we're planting poles, power poles, and we're running wire, which if you've seen, have you seen them do it in the desert? It takes forever. They're just out there with miles and miles and miles of poles and, and wire and miles and miles and miles and miles. And they're out there in the heat just doing it, doing it, doing it. And that stuff that they're, the poles and the wire are absolutely useless until someone on the other end goes like this. And then it's an easy pathway for all the power to and just get to where it needs to get. And he's like, that's what prayer is. And I was like, I understand now. I can, plant po- I can plant poles and I can run wire. So let's do that. Anyway, so we've been waiting, all right? W-A-D-I-N-G, waiting. Wait in the water. That one's free. So you might ask, Nate, how do you know revival's at hand? How can you make such a statement? Uh, we've heard this, you know, sometimes you, we've probably said it. I've probably said it ambitiously. Revival's here, you know, right? Because it's exciting and we want it. And it's, a, and it's really a faith statement, but when, when it really comes, you don't need to stand up and go, revival's here. Everybody just knows, okay? And that's where we're at. I, uh, so how do we know? I look at historical facts. I look at past revivals. We can learn a lot from what the Lord's done in our past. 
you read about these past revivals and go, well, what were some characteristics that marked them? Because we're not looking for the, he's not going to do the same thing again, right? Isaiah says he's doing a new thing. So don't look for something that matches an old revival, but look for traits, right? Characteristics, similarities. And I look at scripture and I see what moves God's heart from Genesis to Revelation, what gets them excited? And then I also look at Scripture. I see patterns about how he interacts with his people. I also see about, I try to learn about how much sin and moral failure can God put up with before he himself comes and intervenes. There's a lot of examples to look at, especially in the Old Testament, where God goes, okay, that's enough. <laughs> Here. And he comes in and does something different, okay? I think we're at that point. I draw conclusions based on those facts. How do, you, how do you say we're in revival? I draw conclusions based on those facts. Here's some markers of revival. Here's some, and they, these are things that, that fit the category of what I just described to you, and they're also things that I see happening in River in the Hills Church and in the larger body of Christ in some regard, but I'm, I'm looking here right now, and I like what I see. Okay, number one, there's an increase in hunger for Jesus. People want more of God. This can't be all there is. I've heard that many times. And the answer to that is usually like, yeah, you're right. It's not. There's more. <clears throat> Number two, there's an increase in church attendance. And not just attendance, but genuine buy-in. We are a part of this body. God has called us here. I'm in. What do we do? How do I serve? How do I love? Where do I sit? All these questions. It's good. There's an increase in giving. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And when God knits your heart in tight, it's proven in your credit card statement or your checkbook. Millennials, checkbooks are these old things <laughs> that you open. I've been writing checks since I was 16. <laughs> I am a millennial, you're right. There's an increase in desire for fellowship. People want to be around people who want to be around people who want to be around people more. It just increases. There's an, it, young adults have seen that, right? So Rachel, you just, we were just talking last night. She's like, it's almost every night of the week there's a group of young adults hanging out in some fashion, in some regard. And, and I, I'll tell you what, it's not just because you want to do something. You all know this. Because you could have done that anytime in the last however many years. It's because hunger begets hunger. It's because when you get around hungry people, it makes you more hungry, and you get fed together, and it's better. Okay? Uh, there's an increase in miracles, healings, signs and wonders, all the, the, both the frequency and our perception of the size. I don't believe there's a such thing as a small miracle, okay? It's like saying, oh, he's a little giant. Like, no. Um, so it's, it's, I believe that all miracles are big, but I believe some of them will shock us more than others, and that's just human nature. It's fine. You don't have to argue that. Some of them are bigger than others. Um, there's an increase. There's an increase in dreams, visions, and angelic visitations. We've seen a lot of this in the church, right? Raise your hand if your dream activities increased in the last seven, eight months. Half the church, more than half the church. And unbelievable. Actually, it's believable. That's the whole point of this. It's believable. 
There's an increase in power manifestations, meaning, meaning physically seen and then you yourself physically experiencing the presence of the Lord coming on you in different ways. In Scripture, we see several falling prostrate, shaking, heat, ele- the feelings of electricity or, or this, this well up, something, something that you can see visually or feel, um, something that's tangible. There's an increase, an increase in repentance and a desire for holiness. This one is awesome, and it's been a huge marker of past revivals where people just stand up and start repenting their sin. They're like, oh, we're, we're just, we're having baptisms right now. What are you doing? Like, it's not, a, you almost think like you're offended. It's like, it's not appropriate for you to do this, but they can't keep it in anymore. They're like, ah, I'm a sinner. Like, it just, because they want to get it out. You get it out. I don't want to do this anymore. These people just like come up and start laying their, their crap here at the altar, right? There's like drug paraphernalia and you know, all kinds of stuff where it's just like, it's like, what are you doing? We didn't call for this. And the Holy Spirit's like, don't worry, I called for it. But there's a massive, there's a massive increase. We, I mean, I believe I heard a story. This happened this week. Somebody left something at the altar. Yes, no. So Haley left her stuff at the altar. No. No. Thank you for clearing that up, though. But it will happen. Get the burn barrels ready. All right. There's an increase in love for one another and love for the lost. Okay. So we see, we see greater love right here in the body of Christ where we, we start to set aside, set aside petty things and focus on things that are important, but we also are moved for the lost. We also are moved for people that are outside of the church who are like, oh, Lord, break my heart for what's breaking yours right now. And we pray it and we mean it, and he does it. Okay, there's an increase in unity in the body of Christ. Because in John chapters 13 through 17, Jesus not only teaches about unity and prays for unity, but he said, this is how the world will know that I was sent from the Father when you guys are unified. It's awesome. There is a decrease in fear of man. Remember, these are markers of revival. There's a decrease in fear of man. I worry a whole lot less about what people are thinking about me and a whole lot more about what God thinks about me. There's a decrease in complacent backseat Christianity. Basically, taking Christianity as like an appendage. Well, yeah, I'm just going to wear it on my belt today. Yeah, it's like you come up, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, see? There it is. And then you just go home, put it on your nightstand, and then tomorrow you don't wear it. Right? It's, it, it, you become a follower of Jesus. You don't add Christianity as an appendage to your life. And we see less and less backseat Christianity. And lastly, there's a decrease in the operation of the religious spirit. Because the same reason that Kyle said that that when we, when we get delivered of pornography supernaturally because it's replaced with joy, when we encounter the Lord, when we encounter his truth, when we encounter the Holy Spirit, when we encounter his power, there's really no room for all the petty religious mindsets and petty religious spirits that try to go, me, 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 pride, 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 pride. And you're like, yeah, you're not even, you're just like a squeak to the monster roar of heaven. This is what happens. I'll tell you one of the coolest things, and I've noticed this in the last two months. I talked to Kyle this morning. Glenn, you've probably noticed this too. Pastors and teachers have to do way less convincing and way more explaining in revival. Okay, when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost because of all the revival that was happening, the awakening that began with the church. Remember, it started with the with the ones that were praying, that were they were waiting. Jesus said, "Wait until you're clothed with power." They went, "Okay." Jesus, come, right? They don't know what they're praying. Holy Spirit, come, right? And the Holy Spirit, whoosh, 
He comes in, right? And everybody's like, okay. And then people are like, they're drunk. And Peter goes, no, 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 no. And he goes, remember, remember your, your, your scripture? This is that. He didn't, he didn't, here's what he didn't do. He didn't go, guys, come on, everybody come and come pray in tongues too. Everybody come and listen. Everybody come, hey, we're about to preach a big message. Everybody come sit down. No, we have a really cool program. No, seriously, we'll onboard you. And we have these, and he didn't have to, he didn't do any of that. He's he's like, no convincing. He didn't have to convince anybody to come to church that day. Everybody came because they saw the bonfire. and, And he's like, no, 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 no. They're not drunk. This is that. That's just explaining. And I'll tell you what, as a pastor, who's done a lot of convincing, explaining is way more fun. I'm also a horrible salesman. So this is great for me. <laughs> I'm not a bad salesman. <clears throat> I talk, excuse me. I talked to a well-known pastor this week. Many of you, some of you know him. Um, but he told me that when his church experienced renewal, remember like a localized revival about 30 years ago, uh, that... From that point on, he never again in his ministry preached a message about giving. He didn't have to. People who didn't tie it to the church just automatically started doing it. You're like, you're like, why? I've been, I've been telling you that this is like, I've been for years, and and you're just saying worn out, and the Holy Spirit comes in, and he's like, and people are like, ah, with their checkbook. Remember, remember what checkbooks are? No, and they. But, I mean, that's God. That's revival. You can't preach it. I mean, what the Holy Spirit can come in and do in a moment. Um, One of the markers of this revival, I believe, actually Ben alluded to this a little bit in home group on Friday. It's like half of you were there. Um, And it's awesome. uh, But one of the markers of this revival is that the Lord, uh, Malachi 4, 6, is turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and children to the fathers. We have to be spiritual fathers and mothers. We have to have, because we need, spiritual fathers and mothers. Young people, you can be spiritual fathers and mothers. Old people, you need spiritual fathers and mothers. This is a crucial component to what's happening. This is part of the preparation part. What do we do with all this information? How do we prepare? In many ways, I think we've been preparing well for a long time, years, decades, prayed, fasted, interceded, believed, stayed consistent. I said all that earlier. We've loved well. We're learning how to love better. Excuse me. And while we have to continue in those same veins, I think there's some other practical preparation that we can do for what's at hand. We can't, if we just, I promise you, if we sit back and take sort of a hyper-sovereignty role and go, well, God's just going to do what he's going to do, you'll get crushed. Like, you get squeezed out, like, when you will. You get offended, you get burned out, overworked, or it'll start happening around you, and, you won't, and, you'll, and then you'll feel left out. It's just, that's a, that's a marker of pastoral Bibles. It happens. It does happen. We have to be ready. It's, it's actually why the children in history, the children in historical arrivals respond the best, because they have the least expectation and the most faith. It hasn't been taught out of them yet. They haven't been taught not to believe. So they embrace what's going on. They're like, this is just life, right? And we, and we have to try to create a paradigm where we're ready for that. Okay, so I think there's some practical preparation that we can do. But even, even practically speaking, we need to figure out now 
how we're going to create more room in our schedules to minister to people. Because how are we going to clear out these rooms in our house when people need a place to live or sleep? People need to get out of a really bad situation. They just found Jesus, and they're like, how do I get out of this situation? And you're like, will you come stay with me? It's hard, but you should still do it. One of the, no, that's for another time. It's okay. We need to get creative with our rest time. Don't take too much of it. Make sure you take enough of it, but ask the Lord how to get it to where it, it, it's, it's conducive to what he's doing. We can't stop the Sabbath. You don't set the Sabbath aside when things get busy. You keep it. You keep it when things are slow. You keep it when things are busy. But you ask him for strategies on how to do that. But ask him now. Don't wait until you're like, oh, my gosh. When am I going to rest? Like, then it's too, it's too late to make, to make you just it's so much easier to, to plan ahead. Um, I think that we need to create habits now, work on creating habits now that, that help us to withstand pressure and stress when the time commitment that comes with what we've been praying for and asking for is, is intense. It's going to require a lot of time. We've got to ask him right now um, for strategies habits, new habits. We have to learn to steward the move of God now. I believe, this is what I, I want you to hear this. I believe that we will see and have already been seeing a major influx, a major increase in believers who are going to come to River in the Hills looking for guidance and discipleship in the things of the Spirit, specifically. And I'm so proud of each of you in this room. I've seen so many of you just take charge and do it. I watched it this morning. People just step up and start being the church. Thank you. Good job. Keep it up. But we're going to see people that are believers. We're going to see believers that come in that are wounded, confused, and don't know where to start or what questions to ask. They have so much to unlearn, but they don't even know where to start. There's so much to learn, don't know how to ask, don't know, and don't know where to turn, and don't want to be embarrassed and have bad experiences with church people and pastors and leadership and, all, and Christianese and all that junk. Not that leaders or pastors are junk. The Christ, you know what I meant. You, you know what I meant. All right. But believers are going to come in who, who have been taught that there's no miracles. They're gonna be taught, they've been taught there's no healings, there's no deliverances, there's no apostles, there's no prophets, there's no tongues. Or they're not for today. Or if you speak in tongues, you're of the devil. But by the same token, they don't believe that the devil can influence Christians. So you must not be a Christian. They don't believe you anoint with oil. They don't believe, I mean, you're going you're you're to start to hear this. More and more and more, you're going to start to hear people are going to come in and go, what, what, what? And we have to be ready to love well. We have to be ready to not judge. We have to be ready to comfort, to help walk them through a process of healing to help see the gold that God has put in them and not, and not go, well, I mean, and not, and not bash their pastor and not bash their elders and not bash their friends or their parents or their, fam or their brothers and sisters. That is not, that is not what's needed. Speaking from someone who walked through this and had, and had both sides, had people that would bash and people that would help, 
This one is better. But we have to create space. I believe if we create space, the quicker he'll send these people. This is what revival looks like. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that there that it's not an elitist message, that there's not great churches surrounding us. That's not at all what this means. What it means is that we should think that what we have here is really good. I mean, you're going to church here. You better think it's good, right? I mean, it's sort of hypocritical if you're like, eh, meh, meh, but you're still coming. So it's, so it's, it's good. And so if what you have is good, you want other people to have it, yeah. right? Yeah. When Kaylee makes something that's delicious, I'm like, who can we share this with? I want to, like, show off what she made, right? Yeah. When she, yeah. When she makes something that's not that good, we just bring it to church on Sunday. <laughs> Not in revival. You, you don't get away with that. Rachel, you guys want to come back up? <laughs> Nate's funny today. <laughs> awakening. You're tuning in. Just stay engaged for a few more moments. Remember awakening, the lost being saved, people that are outside the church coming in will happen as a natural overflow of the church of Jesus Christ being on fire. You don't have to advertise a bonfire, okay? Uh, on-fire believers can't help but tell people about Jesus, okay? We've all, I mean, we, we saw a guy one time in our church, he, he got saved, and he wanted to give up. And, I mean, this guy, you know, he's in the world 100%. And he wanted to give up and give testimony, and he's like, he's like I'm so effing thankful for Jesus, <laughs> Everything in me wanted to stand up and go, thank you for being real. And it breaks off all this religious, like, how do you think he's going to talk? Of course he's going to talk like that. Don't be offended. But, but that will happen. Those sort of testimonies where it's just like, oh, my gosh, I can't. I need, they're calling everybody they know. You're going out. And on fire believers do that. That's a natural overflow. You, you, you won't have to force it, convince, or advertise. But before awakening can happen, revival must come fullest. The church in America must change from being prevalent to being powerful. Okay? Understand the difference. This is a very interesting fact. Every other revival in history where we saw sin and moral decline in the church, we also saw numerical decline in both people that were professing born-again believers and the number of churches. So, so you guys can see it. If population goes up like this on the graph, church attendance, born-again believer professions uh, was going down like this, along with sin and moral decline, and then revival hit, and it shoots it back up. Every past revival's characteristic is that, except this one. Since 1940s, we've been going like this with the population, with, with numbers of churches, with... Um, with number of professing, remember I'm saying professing believers, okay? I'm not identifying how many actual saved people there are in America or whatever, but as population increases, the percentage has stayed pretty much equal to the population growth. So why is sin on the rise and moral decline more rampant than ever? Why? Because the church is prevalent but not powerful. The church is here and just not doing anything. 
I'm capital C church, okay? I, I don't, I never want to accuse where accusation's not needed, but I want to take full responsibility for everything that's mine. And so I'm not pointing fingers at anyone here, especially here, but I'm saying we represent a portion of a much larger body in this nation. And as a whole, meaning the church of Jesus Christ in the United States of America has not been doing her job or stepping into her calling to be a powerful representation of the kingdom of God in the last 70 years as a whole. And that, I believe, is going to change. It's changing. It has to. I wrote this down. I'm just going to read it. I'm not going to. It's from the it's from the Holy Spirit. One of those things where your fingers can't type fast enough when he. But the church in America must wake up to the fact that Jesus did not only die to give you life insurance, where the benefits only kick in when you die. He died so that you can have life now and have it abundantly. John 10:10. 10, 10. The church in America must wake up to the fact that we're at war. This is not peacetime. We're in a battle for our lives, our children's lives, and our neighbors' lives. If we aren't fighting, we're giving up ground. The church in America must put on her shield, put on her helmet, take up her sword, and fight in the name of and by the blood of Jesus. Fighting for revival. Fighting for the church. God save the church. How do we prepare then? Just three things and then we'll be done. Number one is, I seriously, just keep up the good work. <laughs> so many of you just don't, don't change anything. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't grow weary. Teach other people. Number two, devote yourselves to what the early church devoted themselves to and to what we've been called to devote ourselves to. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 46. They dedicated themselves, devoted themselves to four things. Prayer, fellowship, breaking of bread, and the apostles' teaching or the teaching of the word of God. Just devote yourselves to those things. It's how we wade in. It's how we prepare. And number three, probably one of the most important things, especially when the Lord starts to move in and change things, yield. Yield to God. Go low. Humility, humility, humility. When you move, we said the chorus of this song, Shekinah, Rachel knows, it's like my favorite song. But it says, when you move, we want more. So we yield, we're like, God, move. And then we step in, we want more. And then he moves again, and we go, yeah, <laughs> we want more. When he speaks, we want more. We want the fullness of everything that he has in his heart to release over the church. So let's yield to what he wants to give. Let's stop telling him, God, here's what we want, unless it's something he's already revealed in his word that he wants to pour out, then he loves to be agreed with. So like, yes, Lord, do everything that's in your heart. Release the fullness of your spirit. Look to him and say yes to everything he does, even when it makes you uncomfortable, because it will. At, at some point, say yes to it. A humble heart makes this easier, because remember, the meek are the ones that inherit the earth. Would you stand with this morning? I can't believe I got all that out in that amount of time. You know, when you listen to a podcast with somebody who's a really slow speaker, how you listen to it at one and a half times the speed, I save you all the trouble. I just talk at one and a half times the speed. You don't have to speed it up. 
There is a... What's going on here is different than what's been going on in the past. And it's so good. It's so exciting to see answers to prayers that you've just been plowing, 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 and then you start to see stuff, and you're like, <gasps> I'm just going to, I'm going to embarrass them a little bit, but I'm not even going to be specific. But Ben and Haley, I heard, I heard you guys, I heard you guys say something. I don't even know if you knew you did this at my home group on Friday. I was so exhausted. You know, it's just a long week or whatever. I was like throwing something in the trash and I heard you say something that I told you like a couple months ago, but you were saying it to someone else and you and they had authority on it coming from you. And I was like, I mean, Friday was amazing. I'm, I'm just bragging on our home group, but there's so many good things happened. Everything, worship was amazing. Everything was amazing. That was the highlight of my night because you've been married a month tomorrow and you guys have stepped into a new level of authority as a married couple, it's like discipleship on a whole nother level. I'm serious. I'm so proud of you guys. I told Kaylee, you know, I told Kaylee, I said, I was really excited about everything that happened tonight, but here's my favorite part. And no one knows about it except for me. You know, so I was like, I feel like I need to tell some people. But I'm just so proud of you guys because this is revival where you take something and then you go give it away. And, it, and, it, and, it, and you take something up and then you go give it away. You have to get filled up to pour out. Don't be the Dead Sea. Be a river, right? Let it flow through you. I believe there's a grace in the room right now to just step into more of the things of God. We say, we, say we want more, Lord. I don't know. It's different for every person. I've noticed this in the last month. Every time I, I'm very logical. Every time I sit down and go, Lord, what is it you want to do? And I try to narrow it down to a list. It's not, it's not bad to try to hear the Lord's heart, but, but really the Lord just in so much grace has been like, it's more than you can write down. Don't try to write it down. And I was like, okay, <laughs> it's hard for me, <laughs> right? So the Lord is going to help you when you come to him with whatever you need help with. If you want to speak in tongues and you don't speak, if you want a prayer language, you don't speak in tongues, just come to Jesus and ask him. If you need a financial breakthrough, come to Jesus. If you need healing in your body of anything, anything, nothing is too big, but here's a bigger word. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too small. Come to Jesus, okay? If you're struggling in a relationship with your spouse, come to Jesus because the time is now. Do not let these things sit and brew and do not give the devil a foothold. There is no time like now to fully release all this. If you're struggling with pornography, come up and, get, and tell somebody about it. Tell somebody so that they, chances are they probably have walked through it because the Lord will lead you to somebody that can pray with you. Get free from it. Get free from it.